Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live in this first Wednesday broadcast of the month of June. What a blessing it is to be able to come and share the word of the Lord with those of you who are walking in the wonderful pathway of serving our Heavenly Father. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. It's a great blessing to be able to speak not only to my congregation, but as well to all of our saints' family who we cherish so dearly across this nation and so many nations around the world. Today, I felt the Lord was directing me once again to something that we touched on on this past Sunday morning's teaching, and that had to do with the man Zechariah. Wonderful book in the Old Testament that is so pertinent to what we're walking today. In fact, from the very first time we for, we began to follow the Lord as intercessors in a deeper way, this book of Zechariah as long as as as, as well as Isaiah twenty eight became incredible passages of Scripture to not only confirm what God was doing, but to instruct us. And now, after these many years, the Lord is redirecting our attentions to this powerful book. And what I find God is saying to me in this time of study in Zechariah is that not only do we see an an historical record, not only do we identify aspects of the spirit realm that are very real and active, these aren't fanciful um, myths, these are realities, but for our thinking today, These are principles for how God moves. What Zechariah shows is really a template for what we as saints have been living and what we are living right now and what we will be living in future. Because the principles of God, the the ways that God moves, are constant. People may change, nations may rise and fall, but the principles of God always remain constant. And so you find these perfect things that God does being revisited throughout the scripture. And many people don't recognize these principles. That's been one of the things that's astounded me over the years. Um, you begin to talk about how God moves and people get a little squeamish because they think that what they're experiencing is the first time God ever experienced anything. I mean, he created you and he looked and he said, wow, what do I have here? Uh, I've never seen, if I know anything, this is the best I've ever seen, the best I've ever created. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his principles abound. So, what we see here in Zechariah, I want to touch on a couple of pertinent things in the principles of the Lord and see how it applies to us today. Now, just as an historic backdrop, we know that Nehemiah and Ezra and a vanguard of people were able to, under the direction of the Lord, go back back to Jerusalem in the waning days of Babylonian captivity. And you have classic stories involved there. You know, Ezra having a group of priests that were gathered by the river and they fasted there and they said, we're going to be going on an arduous journey. We're carrying artifacts that are, that are worth a lot of money because of the precious metals and craftsmanship and 
We don't want to ask the king for guards because what would that say about our guard, our God? And that's a, that's a fascinating story. You have Nehemiah who is opposed by all the all the people in the land, and uh, you've got him rebuilding the walls, and you've got him with a sword in one hand and a builder's trowel in the other. You have Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, and those ones that had been faithful for those represented representing those who'd been faithful for decades all of that is a beginning point and then some 16 years later note that not a year later not three years later 16 years later God begins to speak with Zechariah albeit a a second wave of those who will come and assist in the work of restoring or arguably attempting to restore what it is that God's plan is. And uh, I think that, in fact, I know that we are, we are at this point right now. We've been talking about Zechariah being akin to Elisha's and how this second wave um, of of, uh, warriors and younger ones will come and help to stand in the midst of the foundations that have been laid. And and I believe that that is absolutely true. Just because... um, It takes you a few seconds to navigate from uh, the book of Nehemiah to the book of Zechariah. And you think, oh, these things happen concurrently with one another. Well, they did in a way, but there was a 16-year gap. And we think as intercessors, well, we've been been waiting. And when's God ever going to move? Every prophet has felt that way. Every one of them. It's not get a quick word, put it in a paper, blow a shofar, and boom, it's done. That's why apostolic moves are indicated by patience. And the patience of the saints and tribulation, working patience. Patience means that you are standing on behalf of something that you desperately believe in. And you're willing to stand in that gap and not abandon post. So, Zechariah comes on the scene 16 years later and God begins to speak to him. And the title of this message is The Knee of Yahweh. And I think it's interesting. This isn't the main topic. I just thought that was an odd phrase, but it's a biblical one. Uh, You see the lineage of Zechariah. It says in Zechariah 1, verse 1, In the eighth month, the second year of Darius, or as the French would say, Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, and we're going to talk about at least high points in these four chapters uh, before this hour is done. The, the, the thing about this lineage, and you don't want to make too much out of lineage, because even though it's important, um, you can build lots of stories about lineage. And they may or may not be what God was conveying in the context of that lineage. Be that as it may, Ido was a prophet. His name meant to act on something and to not hesitate. The biblical record says that Iddo, the grandfather of Zechariah, he went, he was one of the ones that went with Ezra. And so he was already in Jerusalem. He was there working and ministering to the Lord. And uh, I think that's very interesting. But um, his son 
Berkiah remained in, um, in Babylon with Zechariah. Now, we don't know why. I know that there's a, there's, there's a Berkiah that's listed in, in the Nehemiah Ezra things, but that's a different guy. And if you look, you'll see that he's a son of somebody else, not the son of Ido. So don't get confused there. Very clear. But Berakiah means <clears throat> to bow the knee, Barak, before Yah. To be willing to serve, to be willing to do, to be willing to stand in the gap, as it were, uh, and to build with the Lord, to be faithful, sense the timing, be promoted. And to stand in the gap, and that's that's a great that's a great name. But out of him, then, and out of that great example, comes this young man whose name means to remember the plan, to remember Yah, to remember to to be a memorial. <clears throat> and and I think that that is um, that is so interesting. Because this next wave of people that God is supposed to be bringing, they are the heritage of those that have been quick to answer, those who have participated in the willingness to be faithful and then to bow the knee to be promoted into the next phase of faithful service wherever God is, is moving. And you cannot separate the Zechariah wave from that. Just because somebody is young doesn't mean that they're the next wave. Just because they're the doting son of somebody means diddly. I saw a lot of those growing up. And being a doting son doesn't mean anything other than that you're doted upon. They could be the rich young ruler for all you know. But this guy's devoted to what God's plan was and is and it was very firmly established and so I want to just step down right now and pause to reflect upon what God's plan really means for us as saints and if if we're going to receive this second wave of people if we are going to begin to um, integrate them into the flow of things we better know what it is we're remembering we better know what was precious to us and and I think that over time people kind of their memory gets a little faded or they, or they don't want to grow up and, and become what God has promoted you into. They want to go back and be babies again. They want to go back and have the bottle. or They want to have their itching ears scratched. They want to go along to get along, which is ridiculous. What are, what are the profound things in your life that you were quick to receive and that you accepted as a promotion in service to God. What are those things in your life? Well, to those who are intercessors, I would say that, and again, you've got to be born again. Any of you purists say, he didn't even mention the blood of Jesus. Well, I'm speaking to Christians here. I'm speaking to saints. So I don't want to make the mistake of all the time I grew up Three out of every four services to the same people were how to be born again. If we didn't know that after the hundredth time, we weren't listening or it wasn't taken. So, um, I would say that we need to be continual in our pursuit of praying in diversities of tongues. That's essential. That has never gone away. That is vital for all the reasons that we've studied. We need to be on our face before God. In proskuneo, God searches for that. 
we need to be functioning as sons and as saints. And we need to be students of his word, not just by, of every doctrine that comes along the pike. You know, it's, and you need to remember and know what meaneth this. I'm astounded at how often saints don't really know what it is that God has shown in the Word. It's, it's amazing to me. And then I, I've been studying a lot, and I don't know how much this is going to play into our September seminar, because what I'm talking about teaching in some ways, it wouldn't be the whole seminar, uh, really needs to be done in person. But in regard to revisiting the spirit realm and the things God has shown us from his word about that, I'm amazed at how there is a resurgence of interest in this in the theological community. And I've been reading a number of works that are present day that are out there. And I think you guys are skilled and I respect your education but your assessments of what's going on here in the scripture cannot be formed just by what you study in your Hebrew lessons or by what you see in cultures that God plainly said to the Jews in those days, destroy these cultures. But yet they say things today and some Christians think this is the greatest thing in the world. Oh, read this. This is really true. Well, it's not. It, it doesn't have the benefit of pneumatikos understanding. It's, it's not compared with the deeper understandings of, of the Spirit, which are founded in the Scripture. So it's imperative for us as saints to know the foundation that has been laid, to be faithful to it, and to know what it is that you believe. And... I, I think that when you talk about Zechariah, to remember and to have a memorial of the plan of God, that wave cannot be built on other doctrines. That it cannot be built upon um, going along to get along because it's what all the cool kids are doing. We've been given foundational truths, founded and established by the scripture that have been revealed by the Lord by by in spirit and we need to hold on to that and we need to recognize that we are a remnant it's the only thing that's going to matter not a rehashing of all the old stuff that's just made uh, made palatable in today's society uh, you know you even go back remember when God moved in that honeymoon phase of welcoming us into this as intercessors, very soon after that, God began to say, you better know what it is that you're doing scripturally. You better understand this. And we started devouring the words that the, that the Holy Spirit was guiding us into. These younger ones... Are, are having experiences, yeah, but no matter how much you love them, they are not exempt from what God has established. And it, it listen to me, it did not come through just study. It did not. I had studied out the gazoo. I knew Pentecostal doctrine backward and forward, and I had the degrees to prove it. So, if, if it was going to come through that, it would have come through that. And I can tell you, it did not. You have been given pneumatikos understandings and deep places in the Spirit. Don't abandon those. The plan of Yahweh is still in motion. So, that's the first thing we see. But um, this, this issue of being willing to kneel before God to keep moving forward in grace and and then to birth young ones that will that will stay true to the eternal foundational things of the plan of God what is the plan of God did the message of the saints go away 
did did we just jettison because you got bored with it or the enemy's worn you down? Um, have we eradicated what the Scripture says is happening now biblically and what's going to be happening with this message God has given to us as a remnant? God forbid we sell that for a bag of, of uh, baubles. And let's, let's remember and let's cherish it. And, and I would say that to you hardcore intercessors. And I recognize that there are many types of people that make up the church. And um, there are those who came alongside and said, I'm going to support this even though I don't feel it as passionately as others. There were many that I saw who were part of my church whose spouse was a, an intercessor and sometimes that person would get sideways and uproot that person. It was sad to see that happen. But others tacitly went along and they're good people. But I would, I would remind you that as good as they are, they're not the ones and their opinions are not the ones that established you in the spirit. So don't let them establish you now. Keep on loving, but you insist upon what God has given you. If you don't, that crown can go away. If you believe the scripture, that's what the scripture says. So um, not let no man take it from you. And there are a lot of other verses that speak of that. So I would say we've got to be faithful to what God has said. Now, I want to skip ahead here in Zechariah. And you see God speaking about how that um, Zechariah 1, uh, he's talking to Zechariah and God gives then Zechariah a dream. And he sees this guy riding a red horse among the myrtle trees. And there were lots of red horses there that were intermingled with speckled white patterns. And this is, is very interesting. And they go to and fro throughout the earth. And God sees uh, the earth sitting still and at rest. They've just settled in. That's a pretty good description of what happened over the past year and a half, isn't it? And, and God says that he has a jealousy for not only his foundation or those that have been laboring, the, Zech, the, the Nehemiah group, and the eternal calling, but also for the expansion, the, the dry places, the Zion places that God wants to turn into a fruitful garden. He also says, so what, what do these red horses mean for Zechariah in that context? In that context as the next wave. That God is ready to do a work of, of judgment and burning throughout the earth. Horses represent those who quickly serve God in battle. You are called to be a goodly horse in battle. And um, I think that God is showing Zechariah, God's about to move. God's, God's stirring. He sees the world at rest. He sees them not willing to do anything. And you can, you can gravitate into complacency. And God doesn't like that. And, and then he sees this angel in verse 18 of chapter 1. He sees horns which have scattered. And what are these? Um, well, you know, horns separate. Horns bring bring apart. We see a lot of horns nowadays, don't we? <laughs> a lot of messages that are all designed to make you hate one another, and to divide, and to uh, to bring dissension. And where strife is, there's every evil work. That is an enemy opposition. But look. The Lord says in 120, four carpenters. And these guys are going to cast out the horns that are functioning among the Gentiles. Now, I don't want to get too much into this, but carpenters are what carpenters are. There's no mystifying interpretation of that word. And they really speak of following a plan and building something. 
So you've got these horses that are ready to move. You've got God's displeasure at the, at the tranquility that's there. And you've got a plan that's subsequently going to be put together piece by piece. That's where we are right now. Then in chapter 2, he lifted up his eyes and he saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Now, this measuring line guy was also mentioned in Ezra. But here, he is, uh, he's measuring Jerusalem to see the length and the, 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 the breadth. And this angel, these angels who are there that are saying what this guy's doing is he's laying out the plans for expansion. And, um, and I, th I think that what we've studied recently about how the line, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, line upon line, that you first have to have the precept of instruction from the Father, and then the line of building comes. So I think that this guy who's measuring is another part of this plan of the next wave. So what do you have? You have horses for battle, you have carpenters, and you have this guy who is extending the lines in partnership with the angels. And and I just think this is um, this is amazing. And then in chapter 2, the middle of it, God speaks about how precious his servants are. He that touches you touches the apple of God's eye and um, this is this is what God's doing so once again you see the remembrance this next wave you see a devotion to the fact that God is ready to move and he's 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 wanting to stir up the complacency you see God has a plan that's going to disrupt these things that are horns, that are bringing division, only God can do that in our society. Do you realize that? You, without getting into too much detail here, the enemy is so entrenched in this business of bringing dissension and bringing disruption that only God can scatter that. What are the four carpenters? What are, what are they? Well, what, what do we talk about with four? I mean, that's a principle in the scripture. Voice, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. I, there, perhaps there's a, a plan to build the intercession base. Perhaps there's a plan to build people who are convening with God in, in the secret place of thunder. Perhaps there is a, a plan in place to ignite the suns as lightning. And perhaps there's a plan in place to shake the foundations in a new way. The point, though, is, is that God has a plan. And, and you have people then that are going out uh, under the direction of the precepts of God, laying out the lines. If you were to schematic this, it all makes sense. But these are words that are coming to this young man who is a man of heritage, who is the next wave that is going to come to bring restoration. And so we, we always have to view what is being said to this guy from that perspective, and it really is where we are. So then in chapter 3, God shows to Zechariah, Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And Yahweh says to Satan, the Lord, Yahweh rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? And then you see Joshua, who had filthy garments, uh, being reclothed and refitted. <clears throat> and um, this wonderful thing uh, that speaks about my servant, the branch and the stone. And um, are, are these dear ones moving as those that sit under the vine for harvest, the new wine, and the fig tree, which is commune with God. And you then move into chapter 4, and you see the picture of heaven, and the story of uh, grace, grace to this mountain, the word of Zerubbabel, 
uh, not by might or by power, but by my spirit. Uh, who was the great mountain? Um, you'll see the plummet in the hand of the, 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 the plummet and the line in the hand of Zerubbabel with these seven, the eyes of the Lord. Uh, and then you have the sons of the anointing that are powering the candlestick. What is all this? Now, we know all this. We, we've read these verses. We have surreptitiously plucked out certain verses that are stem winders and really powerful ones. Grace, grace to the mountain. You know, that kind of thing. God is showing Zechariah this second wave that Zerubbabel and Joshua and uh, what their role was and still is. The hands of Zerubbabel started it and will finish it. They have filthy garments and Satan is there, the accuser, coming against the plan of God. Some people get confused when they see the, the Lord saying, Yahweh rebuke you, and they try to set a bunch of different characters here. What was God saying? This is my plan. My plan speaks for itself. The Lord rebuke you. Rebuke there, Gaar, is a word that means a lot of powerful things. It speaks deep resonation. It speaks of a shout, a blast. It, it speaks of the culmination of the sound and the light. And God is going to visit this. What else would God... Let's say that you as a saint are representative of that wave that Zechariah is going to assist. Let's say that you are standing now because this is... If this was just something that happened in the past, it probably would have been transcribed as the first chapter. But as Zechariah is mobilized, it shows the people who stood in the gap and believed for the initial things of restoration. You see their garments filthy. If you felt like your garments are filthy... <clears throat> You know, there's another passage that speaks, it speaks about every garment of the warrior is rolled in blood. And, and, and we've, we've preached on that before. We've taught on it, how that they must be offered as a burnt offering. And then God brings a new set of clothing. I believe we're in that point. I think we're being transitioned while still in the fray, while still in the, in the, in the fight. And it is important for us to take this next step because historically Elijah didn't really do this neither did Moses and here is God showing factors that go on in the lives of people like you who've stood in the gap but after many years you're feeling worn out where at the same time God is already beginning to mobilize people who will come in the next wave you may not know it. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have, they didn't have the ability to email. Hey, hold on, hold the fort. I'm coming. This was uh, this was a word from God, but it's showing a principle. The enemy has been resisting the saints in a big time way, wanting people to abandon purpose or or to rest and be at ease. You know. You're at the time of retirement. Let's just kick back. Let's separate ourselves. It's time to let others come and do the work. You know, I'm just so tired. Uh, I think I'm just going to rest here. Give me this mountain. We, we cannot be that way. If you're really going to be the Elijahs, if you're really going to be the Zerubbabel and the Joshuas and the Nehemiahs, act like it and see that as this next wave is coming, God is positioning you to refit you, to use you in the heavens in ways that are essential for what is going to be happening on the earth. Satan is resisting and accusing and rebuking. Have you, seen, have you ever seen such accusation around the world right? Uh, it, it's it's crazy. Even Christians being targeted and accused. Christians. 
in the United States of America being openly mocked in the mainstream media all the time, being accused of things that were not, even in those that are progressive and the, the vanguard of the, of the end time antichrist, and I don't say that lightly, are mocking evangelicals as being fascists and being people who hate people of color and people who are racist, people who are this, yada, 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 yada. And, you know, people are being marked. There are uh, badges and, and bracelets and ver various types of uh, internet documents that are, are going to begin to typecast people and people are going to be separated if you're not this or if you're not that. It's setting the stage for the Antichrist. We see that. Satan is an accuser and he is resisting the prophetic, standing at the right hand, Zechariah 3 says, standing there resisting what God is wanting to say to his sons and his saints in this hour. Do you realize that? Why would Zechariah, this second wave that are being called upon by God to move and to come and build upon and with the first wave, why would God show the first wave in this way at this time in the book? Because this is what's happening in that outline of God's principle. Now, what else was part of this first wave? You had, you had Ezra, Nehemiah, you had Ido, you had a whole slew of other priests that went. You also had Daniel, who was praying there in Babylon, who was really doing intercessory warfare uh, in a great way. You don't really see him as a factor, a pronounced factor in these writings, but we know what he was doing before the Lord in the spirit realm. You had, you had Ezekiel that was doing things in incredible ways, different than Daniel, but nonetheless potent and powerful. You had sons, you had the, the prince of Tyre and the king of Tyre, the demonic representatives that were moving in Tyre. We're not in Babylon, but in Tyre during that time. We've been warring. We've been battling. You have been standing on behalf of the Lord and your garments have been filthy. You've been a warrior. Don't let that characterize who you are. God has you standing before his throne right now. Act like it. Act like it. And be what he's called you to be. And we are going to be called to go to the mountain and shout grace, grace. This is opposition. This is expansion territory. Overcoming opposition, expansion territory. You know, Zerubbabel has already been there. Uh, he's already paved the way for Nehemiah and Joshua. And he's, they've already been doing that work. So this is a grace, grace moment. This is them being before the throne, functioning as those olive trees, those sons of the anointing, which is literally what it means, who are fueling the ways of God, being served, serving God as a fueler, but yet in a grace, grace shouting. This is what our role is as Elijah's. Do you realize that? So how do you do that? Well, I would say this. Remember, what is the second wave coming to do? To fulfill the plan of Yahweh. What do they need from you? You functioning in the spirit realm. So how do you do that? And standing in the gap, how do you do that? Well, you remember what brung you here. Don't let the enemy wipe that out. Don't forget about that.
Listen, my life is a whole lot different than it was 26 years ago. My life has changed in so many ways. We've seen incredible things that God has done. Phenomenal things. We have been blessed by the Lord and still are blessed. We have seen this nation change in incredible ways. We've seen the, the framework of the nations change. We've also seen our own lives changed. You know, I've gone from a time where I had younger kids. Many of you had babies at that time. And now I'm a grandfather. And I know what it means to be a grandparent. I know what it means to have little ones crawling up on your lap and they want you to go out and play. You're taking them places. You're... You're standing up for your children and helping them out. And they want you to be parents. I don't really know how, how I made it when I was a little kid. I mean, I was so far removed from my grandparents. I don't know how I survived. But yet today, that's an essential thing. And we want to be that. But did that remove the eternal plan of God? That just because you are at ease and at rest, which God is furious at, not at you, but that whole mindset, live as long as you're alive. Don't surrender these things that are still remnant. They're still vanguard. They are still largely unknown by the general church. They're still largely unknown even by these ones that are singing prophetically and prophesying. And that's great. We love that. But the inherent message of this remnant of the saints, based on Scripture, is yet unknown. And the only way, we've taught about this in the past, what would it have been like had Elijah and Elisha been in place for more than those few years after, uh, before Elijah was caught up in the chariot? What if they had worked together? What if Moses and Joshua had been in the promised land together? What would have been different? I don't know. Who's to say? We won't know that. But it was always God's plan that they worked together. What doest thou here, Elijah? What doest thou here? Do you think that maybe when Elijah wrapped his mantle around his head at the entrance to the cave... And before that, God showed all that pyrotechnic display and the breaking of the rocks by the wind that God was showing what he had done. And now he was saying, I want to do something built upon that, a new thing, and I need you to stand faithfully. I dare say so. And even when he did go and meet Elisha, what did he do? Go back and read that. You've got these Elishas. You've got these Zechariahs. He didn't say, oh, you poor dear, you know, I just love you so much. Come on, will you come? i got to be careful. No, Elijah didn't do that. He comes walking, Elisha sees him, and Elijah throws the mantle on him. Are you going to walk in this or not? Follow me. Can I go and say goodbye to my father? You do whatever you're going to do, but I'm going on. That's hardly a Madison Avenue pitch. The plan of God is what should be. And you have that. So don't let it be watered down. Function in it. Look at this from the perspective of, of, um, Zech of um, Nehemiah and Joshua and Zerubbabel. They've served. Zechariah sees them being outfitted in new garments. Zechariah sees them ministering before the Lord of all the earth. Zechariah sees them being contested by the enemy, but God rising up. Zechariah sees incredible demonstrations of the power of God. You see through Zerubbabel's willingness to move in this next measure of identity, mountains being moved, a double application of grace, which means that he'd already been moving in grace, and now here he is intimately proclaiming it and God moving. You see him move them moving in the heavens. 
you see there being a uh, an incredible interaction with the candlestick and the oil that's being pressed out and how that's facilitating and serving God for the ways of God. That is your mission, saints. And then you go further, you go into Zechariah's words. We've talked about the fast of feasting. And he's, he's saying, fast the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth, get this morning ungodly mourning out of you and you begin to speak truth and peace in the gates you focus on the tobe those are factors that should be fueling someone Zechariah who remembers the memorial of Yahweh the plan of Yahweh and then there will come inhabitants of many cities who say to them let us go with you let us let us let there be the inhabitants of many cities who come that was spoken of earlier the great move of the spirit that's coming so where might we say as saints this puts us following this principle this principle of god god's principles where might we be right now in a timetable with this principle being applied I think it's very obvious that many who are foundational pillars in the Lord, some have wavered, fallen aside. God forbid, I don't need to go back and revisit what's happened to some who once walked as saints. But we now find ourselves in a position where a next wave is coming they're being stirred by God um, we uh, we've seen precursors to that and we I've, I've heard testimonies this week about w the ways that this is being done in Brazil right now there are more that are coming. These are just precursors, as sweet and wonderful as they are. There are many coming, and God is wanting to raise up Zechariah's. I think he's got his hand on some of them right now. They've got to hold fast. They cannot get watered down. They cannot go the ways of progressivism or wokeism or any other kind of ism. They are, they are a people born for such a time as this, and they've got to follow into that line they were birthed by those who have bowed their knee before Yahweh and birthed by prophetically those who would say yes ito I'm going I'm in this that's their heritage that's what they have to have to succeed but for us we see that wave coming we also feel the opposition of the enemy spiritually his accusations and they're they're new we see horns that are being um, that have separated but are still separating God has, has a group of, of those red horses amongst the myrtle trees myrtle trees are interesting they grow in, in this passage in Zechariah they're in a ravine their leaves are used for the, the tabernacles um, they, they represent the going forth these horses are there with what's necessary for people to establish tabernacles. We see the plan of God in four ways, four carpenters. And we see, uh, we see all these things that we just read. But for you, I think we need to be praying for the Zechariahs, that they'll stay true to what God wants to do. But what about you, Ezra? What about you, Ido? What about you, Daniel? How about you, Zerubbabel? How about you, Joshua? How about you, Nehemiah? What are you going to do right now? Are you done? Are you going to kick back? Say, well, we gave it our best. Or are you going to stand and fight? Are you going to be like Caleb at Hebron? Are you, are you going to be that? Are you going to be what Moses would not do? Are you going to be what Elijah would not do? And what do you have to do in order to accomplish that?
Well, first thing is you've got to you've got to allow the shout of the Lord, the rebuke of the Lord against the accuser. You got to believe for that 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 shout, that rebuke, that shout will be profound and and a shout is is the is the sound application of light. It's all on the same spectrum, the ways of God. Let those ways, God's timetable, drown out the accusation. And an accusation up there, what Satan is accusing. What harm is that going to do you now? Unless you listen to it. That's about it. Are you going to be worn down by it? Let God change out those garments. They've served you well, but now you got new garments. Begin to serve God in that clarity. Begin to serve God and believe for the line uh, based upon the precepts that you have established and you're still dwelling in. You're still setting new precedents. New precepts. Do you realize that? Because again, precept means something that has been communicated from a father, something that has been communicated from a leader based upon relationship. What we have received from God as instruction, that's what forms a precept. Lines or those extensions for building come off that. You've got a guy with line in his hand. You've got, you've got lots of other things that are going on that Zechariah has just received prophecy about. And then it comes to what's happening with you. Are you willing to do that? Can you grasp this or have you given up? You know, I know, listen, listen to me, dear ones. I know the temptation to say, man, I've been at it for decades, and I, you could feel tired if you want to, but that's human nature. That's, that's the ways of the world. That's what everybody's telling you you should be. Can you rise up and be something that's never really been before, that's prophesied here in the scripture? Can you stand before the God of all the earth and instead of just laying a foundation as important as that is, can you shout grace, grace to mountains of opposition? Can you partner with these carpenters? Can you partner with the, instructing and helping and empowering the young ones who are going about with the line in their hand? Can you be supplying by God's directive and what God says, oil through your service to him in the heavens? as sons, sons of the anointing, bringing that vitality to the candlestick of the Lord. Can you do that? And can you, through doing that, then empower what Zechariah is to do next, where he's instructing these young wave ones, where he is saying, there are going to be many who come along, but you got to look, you got to get rid of this griping about the past. Did you, anybody see Anybody see how deconstruction and deprogramming and reprogramming is trying to destroy the good things? Anybody see as Americans that we've done anything right over the past 300 years? Have we have we stood for any point of righteousness? Have we seen the hand of God intervene and preserve? Oh, yeah, there are despicable things that happened. I'm not discounting them. But what marvelous ways has God brought us to where we are now? All colors, all groups. And, and if the truth be known, the human condition has always done nasty things. You know, when, when I travel into Africa, which I've been blessed to do many times, we have many wonderful brothers and sisters in many African nations. I hear them tell stories about tribal warfares and those that rose up and committed genocide and did all these things. 
There wasn't a white person among them. There wasn't at, in the times of those stories. Human beings need the Lord, regardless of their color. And the, the, the human spirit is desperately, the heart is desperately wicked unless it's born again and turned to God. And so uh, we, we, need to, we need to be grateful and not just set about saying, oh, let's mourn and lament and act like it happened yesterday, something that happened 250 years ago or something that happened 100 years ago. We should learn from those mistakes, but we shouldn't act as if that's our reality right now. You know, you know I remember 60 years ago, 60 years ago, uh, my life has changed dramatically since then. When I was a little kid, I came home from the hospital. We lived in the projects. The projects. And that was great. I didn't know, I didn't know where that was in the social economic rung. When I turned five, or almost five, we moved to a little... 800 square foot house because we had five kids and two parents and it was still in the slums. We were by a slag heap and a natural gas substation. I didn't know any better. My life has changed remarkably. I'm not living now like I lived back then. You know, I'm not. I am not. You've got to forget about the past, learn the lessons from them, and move forward. That's what Zechariah was saying. And that can happen in your own life. Any person can look back at tragedies in their life. Some of you suffered through abuse when you were younger. Lots of abuse. Some of you suffered through painful divorces. Some of you suffered through the death of children. Some of you suffered through unimaginable things. Some of you were at war. You saw things that post-traumatically, you, you have a hard time shaking. At some point, the message of Christianity is to be born again. Though our sins were scarlet, God makes them as white as snow. The world doesn't understand that, but we do. And God said to Zechariah, you better... The angel of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, said, you better tell these people to stop living in the past and get ready to move into my eternal plan. And when that happens, there will be so many that will come along. Now, that's where we are right now. In the principles of God, that's where we are right now. And, and I'm speaking to saints are you willing to embrace what God called you to be and cherish those things and do them? Don't just sing about them. Do them. These are necessary today. The mysteries of God are still being partnered with when you pray in tongues and in the grace gift of diversities of tongues. Keep doing that. Don't be silent. Let your spirit, which God put in you that is born again, let it communicate. Let it pray. When I speak in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Let that breathe and commune with God and speak to him about his mysterion, his mysteries. Do that. Be on your face before God. Let God, listen, because I honestly, I pulled away some because we had to. We were we were instructing. We were building the we were building up the walls. We had to establish doctrine. We had to establish principles. We had to put together the thus saith the Lord's from Scripture. These things are there. You have to have them. You cannot just be babies. You have to be those that minister in the truth as the Holy Ghost has led you into truth, and you need to be as those that will instruct. Thus says the Lord. You have to be oracles, not going back to the bottle, not going back to the first things. The book of Hebrews says that we lay aside those foundational things. We build on them and we press forward. We had to get about that business. 
So I don't preach all the time about manifestations. I don't preach all the time about angelic visitations, although they happen every day. I don't preach all the time about what goes on in the heavens. And if you don't keep stirring people up, some people drift away. But I'm not speaking to those people right now. I'm speaking to you. This is the fire of the Spirit that God formed you in. You're a brand plucked from that burning. What is that brand? Holiness unto the Lord. Be that. And, and get ready to imprint that on other people. Be, get, be, be ready to imprint that on those Zechariahs that God is bringing. And be ready, be ready to, to let your spirit move in you. See, every time a bell rings, a saint gets his wings. Um, be ready to let God's spirit take you into the next dimension of what you, standing before the Lord of all the earth, uh, are, um, are going to be called upon to, to manifest. And I, I, just, I, I just think, you know, this brand, I wasn't going to talk about this, and we're, we're in good shape here time-wise. You can be listening to this double time. Is your attention span as a saint? If you're a patient saint, you should have a longer attention span than somebody who's just scanning the internet. <laughs> so, um, what does a brand mean? In, in Zechariah 3, verse 1, a brand plucked from the fire. This is, this is interesting. It's a fire brand. You know, it's... Uh, uh, Amos 4.11 You were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. And Amos says, but God says, but yet you've not returned to me. That's, that's interesting. What about um, um, let's see, what's a, what does Isaiah 7.4 say? I say unto you, take heed, be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of the smoking firebrands. You know, at this point, the enemy is, is, going, is trying to brand people. He's trying to typecast them. You are a brand plucked from the fire. And you need to be a people who are, um, who are imprinting the honor of what you are in God. You know, I sometimes love to speak to my our resident cowboy among the saints, my brother Jerry Smith, and he they talk about branding cattle. I've never gone to see that, and I don't know that I really want to. But when you put a brand on beef, that means that that marks that animal as belonging to a certain herd or certain person. And you are a brand. You are one that is going to be imprinting God's name and God's plan upon these people. If you have a herd that's unbranded, they can be scattered. They can be stolen. They can be taken they don't have a sense of identity. They just roam around and are not watched over. You are people that God wants to use in mighty ways in these days. Well, I don't want to presume upon the extra time. But I want to encourage you to read this book of Zechariah again. And know that this is a testimony of, um, of what this next wave of people are going to be doing to help you in the work of the Lord as they serve the Lord. And you need to look particularly at that third chapter to see what God's going to require of you in this time. 
this is real-time description of where you are. And, of course, you know from biblical history, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, they are they're together. You could read Haggai and Zechariah. But this is where we are. And I release this word to the saints today. And um, I want you to be encouraged. Don't, don't forget who you are in God, who he is in you. And don't forget the place that God's put you in. Um, and what he's called you to be. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with us. We just have to transition into that new place of service and see this principle of the Lord as it plays out among us. Well, we'll look forward to uh, praying together this coming Saturday, first Saturday. It's going to be more of an exploratory, I hate to use that term even though I'm the one that said it, um, where we just go before the Lord and present ourselves as willing participants to hear what he would say for us in the days to come. And then we will look forward to being with you again this coming Sunday. Until that time, remember that we value you. All of your saints' family value you. Remain in prayer Remain faithful. God is with you. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And goodbye.